<clears throat> All right, ready? All right. Let me get my zen. Hey, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the latest episode of Modern Day Artists. Today, I am joined with Daniel. Daniel, how you doing, bro? How you been? I have been... I've had the most enlightened or developed month that I've personally ever had in my whole life, like actually. So I'm, I'm feeling amazing, like in, in great spirits. And like, you're one of my favorite people I've met on my journey so far, just because when I met you, you seem so young, but you had this like energy to you that I was just like so passionate about what you were doing. So for context, we met at the Austining and Austining Music Festival, right? Yeah. And there was something about you that was just like, he, he just had a, a spirit to want to know and like kind of, you know, work. It seemed like you were just kind of getting started in photography maybe around then or just kind of like, you know, just getting out there maybe, maybe. Yeah, I was on maybe. my journey. You know? You're on your it journey. It was a part of my beginner journey. Yeah, for you know? sure. But you just had a good spirit to you. So, I, you know, we stayed in touch and every time we talk, it's a great conversation. I see you making moves with people that I really fuck with, like no comment and just outside and just yeah. continue with the content and everything. So like, it's great to be a part of your show right now. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate for sure, bro. That. Yeah, man. You've been... I mean, yeah, like like you said, we met in Austin. He, you were doing the interview. What exactly was that interview like? What were you doing that for? Oh yeah, so that was uh, so we were trying a new thing where we were doing street interviews. So I know you've all seen where somebody walks up to you and you just kind of have your phone out, and then you know you're like, hey, what's your? We were asking about what's your favorite thing about the music industry, yeah. kind of you know what do you feel like the music industry needs more of, and all that type of stuff. So um, we had that was part of the Encore podcast, and we had an interview series that was just sit, sit down interviews like this, but we wanted to switch it up, try that. So yeah, you know, that's so what that's what that was. But yeah. So so you were on that. You're actually on my Instagram feed. Yeah, nah, Your I face know, I, I is on my feed at, right now. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fucking that's awesome, bro. <laughs> Word. But uh, yeah, so let's start from the beginning, obviously. Like, who are you? Like, where were you born? You know, you know what I'm saying? Tell me about you. Tell me your story. Yeah, so up. my first name is Daniel. Uh, in my younger life, I was Daniel. Um, now I go by my middle name, Cruz, for the most part. Okay. So, interest, so, okay, so Tell growing up... Just uh, from around this area, from Westchester, and I don't know, my childhood's not that interesting, especially in the content. Like, it's pretty standard. I, my, my parents had me in high school. As they made more money, I was born in the city. As they made more money, I moved more north, and then, you know, by the time I was in, uh, you know, uh, high school, I was in Upper Westchester, and when I was getting started, I had a bunch of friends that wanted to be in music, and, you know, I'm going to skip through my, my childhood, middle school, high school. It's not that interesting. Gotcha. I wanted to be in music, um, and I wanted to be their manager, so... I realized as a manager, you're very much dependent on um, other people's success, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're, you're committing yourself to one, two, three, couple people maybe um, in the artist management space. So my parents had high expectations on me. You know, they, they always thought I was going to go on to do great things, you know, academically, professionally, all that type of stuff. So I didn't want to commit to being a manager. So while I was in college, um, I was studying philosophy at the time and I was like, what do I do with a philosophy degree? I, I saw that one of the main things they got into was law. So I was like, all right, let me explore the legal side and see what's interesting in that. And then I discovered entertainment law. I was like, oh shit, maybe that's like a good fit for me. I could get into the music industry or the entertainment industry by going through the legal side. So when I discovered that, that was about like four years ago. I, I committed myself to that. COVID happened, 2020, obviously. Um, and that year I decided I'm going to commit myself to getting into the music industry this year. So I did that. Um, and, you know. This is 2020? 2020, yes. Gotcha. So, yeah. So starting online, starting to build a little bit of a personal brand, um, I decided to take an internship in Philadelphia. Um, let me say this first. So I started law school in 2020, right? Got gotcha. you. I was also getting my master's in music business at the time. When I started law school, I went two weeks in and I noticed like, oh shit, I don't know anybody in the music industry. And I don't even know anybody in law school. And I understand that it's an industry, like you need to have the relationship. So I decided, you know what? I'm gonna drop out of law school. I, that was a hard conversation with my parents. I'm like, yeah, hey guys, okay. I know, you know, like I'm getting my master's at music business in the same time. I wanna drop out. I'm gonna go back next year, I promise. But I want to focus on spend this entire year getting into the music industry. Mm -hmm. And how did you go about that? So, yeah. So, I was like I said, I was getting my master's. Um, but in my head, I was like, I don't know exactly how I'm going to go about it. Because it's COVID. Most things are locked down. Um, but I feel like if I have free up my bandwidth where I have enough time to like actually commit myself to the space, I'll find something to get into. So, what I did was my first real entrance into like actually meeting people and exploring things was I took an internship in Philadelphia. At this place called Rec Philly, my favorite place in the world, gotcha. genuinely. What what is Rec Philly? Rec Philly is a 
stands for Resources for Every Creator, is Breck. Um, it is now a, a international brand. Uh, P. Diddy put $2 million into it, um, and, and it's getting a lot of major attention. Um, it is a incubator and space for creatives. So we had like 12 different studios in the space in the, in the middle of the mall in Philadelphia called the Art... Um, what's it called? I forget what it's called. Um, and, you know, I worked at the front desk and we had like a thousand members that went there and there's a stage there and everything like that. So when I worked at the front desk, um, I was introduced to like so many people. Every I got to meet all the members and all that type of stuff. So, cool. yeah, as part of that, um, I was able to practice my elevator pitch every day. What do you mean by elevator pitch? I think every creator, everybody who wants to get into the creator space has to have some type of pitch that makes them unique and makes... Other people see their vision and remember them. Whatever is it, it is. Is it like a, like almost like a one-liner pitch for who you are? Like yes. I, I, yeah, got you. Yes. So my I'm elevator pitch. My elevator. Yeah. So my elevator pitch would be, um, at the time, I want to get into entertainment law and I want to be a hip hop lawyer specifically, and I want to be on the ground level with artists and creatives and help them develop and scale with them. I want to create this model where. Um, when you start an entertainment law practice, you start with smaller artists, starter, s- smaller creatives in general. And as I scale and as I give pre- opportunities to them, my business scales and my client base gets kind of bigger. And I want to be very media focused. So all my inspirations, I had a few inspirations um, online that were in the music law space that showed me what was possible with that. So um, I wanted to be online educating audiences and putting my personal brand out there and use that to meet people. So... There's this lawyer called Carl Folks. He's my biggest inspiration um, in this space. When I would be at the front desk, I would meet people. I would tell them, yeah, I want to kind of be like Carl Folks. And they would be like, oh, Carl Folks is the best entertainment lawyer. But I would think in my head, like, how the fuck is he? You've never worked with him. Why do you say that? Like, why do you think he's the best entertainment lawyer? So it made me realize, like, just by having a personal brand and an online presence and giving out free value and just kind of like, you know, maybe attaching yourself to bigger people, people, especially in the legal space, they think that you're the best lawyer, even though you're not even, they don't even know what kind of legal work you do. So I put all my attention and focus into like, uh, for me, I want to start my own practice, right? For that, there's two things that needs to happen. I need to have the general understanding of like the music law space, but I also need to have the clients mm-hmm. and the relationships and the leverage. Um, so I, I'm putting a ton of focus into like the client space, probably more than any lawyer that's ever going to be an entertainment lawyer ever has before they become a lawyer, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you know before, what I mean? before you're a lawyer, you're yeah. putting effort on getting clients. Yes. Because you will be a lawyer. Yes. Yes. You, so, you're betting on yourself. Yes, for sure. So yeah, I, I genuinely think that when I start law school or I'm sorry, I'm in my last year of law school now. Um, I genuinely think when I start when I become a lawyer in a year, I will have the greatest, the biggest client foundation out of anybody who's ever entered the space of entertainment law. I would think I will have thousands of people who would want me as their lawyer. I kind of know that, actually, by based off the, the brand that I've built. So I guess we haven't got there yet. Maybe you want to ask me about what I'm doing now to, to get into that space. Mm-hmm. I'll let so, you yeah. ask the question. <laughs> You're good, bro. I'm just letting you do it. Cause you, yeah. you, you, I mean, this dude's been on like plenty of podcasts. He knows how it works. So in a way, I'm letting you lead, and you understand the questions I'm going for. But yeah, so obviously, that's your plan. How are you going to go about it? What are you doing now? So for the last year, I was working for this, uh, one of my other biggest inspirations, his name was Adam Friedman. Um, I was watching him online for a while. Um, he is big on Twitter. He's, he's pretty well known, especially in the producer community on Twitter. He calls out labels. He's very much against the establishment. He doesn't play the industry politics. He kind of just rides his own, like, like he, he will call people out. And a lot of lawyers are not like that. A lot of lawyers are very buddy-buddy with each other. They, they are, you know... They don't necessarily do what's best for their clients. They, they try to look at, you know, they, if, if your good friend is on the other side of the table, you both have this kind of like, yeah, we're going to help each other out here and not do too much. Like, Adam's not like that. Mm-hmm. He will call out the labels. He'll, he'll, he'll do all that type of stuff. So point being, um, I worked for him for like a year and a half. Um, and with him, he's very known in the producer community. So I got to know the producer community very well. And... I understood how to manage like the back end career of them by through working with Adam and what goes into them. So I did I realized that a lot of what I did for Adam wasn't necessarily legal besides actually the contracts. It was like kind of like a, a management type role. Like lawyers a lot of times take management type roles. Okay. Yeah. So um I decided to start a business where 
I offer those services, a management company, I offer those services, those management type services to producers, but with a law firm business model. And what I mean by that is like you have clients instead of signing them to full deals. Okay. Yes. So it's like... Yes. So to make it more uh, make sense, the main service that I offer is... um, I was tying that in just to give a little backstory of how I got to like what I'm doing now. Um, The main service I offer is if you're a producer who hasn't been paid for a major label placement, I reach out to label and get you paid. It's a huge part... Like every producer, every major producer, for the most part, has some placements. They're called placements in the producer community. If you get a song with a major label, it's called a placement. They have some placements that the artists never reached out to them. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. They, they, they don't know what to do, straight up. Who, who doesn't? Producers. Producers. Producers, yes. So basically every major label producer has songs they haven't been paid for. And it sounds crazy to people who are outside the industry. Like, they just have, they've never been paid. They're on the billboards. Like, they're, like the songs are out there. They've just never so been paid for So your job is to do that, get that done. But it's like a one-off service rather than yes. a long-term contract. Yes. Got you. Okay. So, yeah. So, I to make it simple, I'm like a debt collector for producers. Got it. Oh, my there we God. Go. So, that'll fine. make it kind of simple. Yeah. So, the only people who are really doing that are lawyers. That's really it. But lawyers, they expect a shit ton of money for what they do. I was mostly, most of my job with Adam was payment chasing. I was reaching out to the same, the same thing I'm doing now. The same thing. It was payment chasing. So, you took your experience yes. over here in your plot. Can yes. I, so, my, my, because the show is basically, like, you know, about trying to get the, the back end of, like, building these, like, creative, like, companies and businesses, what hats do you wear when you're, you know, because you're, you're, what was the word? Spearheading this shit. You're at the top, but, like, yeah. you have to wear many hats. Yeah. What are those hats? Um, as a part of this business model specifically. Yeah, this one specifically. Yes. So, uh, the, what are the hats? So, I would say... There's the management hat because what I'm doing is I'm reaching out. It's mostly this is all this whole process is mostly through emails, right? So let's say you're you're a producer who hasn't been paid for a song. This is the whole process. I'm outlining it to you right now. I find out who on the artist team to reach out to. Mm-hmm. There's a couple ways of doing that. I email them or maybe send them a DM. Maybe I call them if I have a number and I say, hey, my producer hasn't been paid. I, I represent him. I'm his manager. I'm managing him or whatever. I, or his representative. Sometimes I say representative. And I just negotiate with them once they kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, if they don't answer me for whatever reason, I'll be like, hey, we're going to take the song down if you don't answer. All right, now they're going to answer because they see the flag going up on their YouTube that the song is like going to get filed for a takedown. Um, so I have to be sort of a representative because I have to liaison the represent, like the communicate the, to, the, to the producer what the process is so they feel comfortable and they know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Then I have to be kind of a negotiator. Um, I have to negotiate the terms for them. Then I have to be kind of a payment chaser because I, after after you negotiate, after the contract signed, after all that, I have to like actually be on the label's ass all the time. I have to do that, and then uh, yeah, and I have to kind of just be a general uh, consultant because I, even though it's not necessarily what I charge for, the way I've gotten clients is through having giving out free okay value. Yes. So my company's called Producer Royalty, um, and it is a content brand as well as a. I don't really even know how to call it. I, I, let's say a debt collector for producers. <laughs> so I use content as an opportunity to show the community what I know and give them and build trust just in general. Build trust. And it, I'm sharing stuff that you literally cannot find on the internet. And if you do, it's from a YouTube video that from an interview that has like six views on it. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, there's not lawyers that are talking about the stuff that I'm talking about. There's a few. Mm-hmm. The guy I worked under. So I, I'm putting content out there and, and educating the space to build trust. It's, it's, I, I've only been doing, like, five months. And it has 5,000 Instagram followers. I'm pretty happy with that. It's growing very quickly. I'm forming partnerships with, like, a lot of, you know, big companies like BeatStars. Like, I'm already forming a partnership wow. with them. Um, and there's a lot. It's growing insanely quickly. I have over 30 clients that I'm working with right now. And, like, and I'm what talking you, to new producers every single day. What have you learned in, in terms of growing that? Like, what, what, what things have you had to, like, do differently that you didn't do before? Or like, yeah. Because, remember, I, I know you worked in these other for these other people and... In these other like podcasts and stuff, but now that it's your own thing, what have you learned and like how are you applying it to? to yeah, grow, to so grow yourself? the hardest part or the 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 part I'm at right now is like the market is there. At any moment, I could DM ten producers and have five new clients. The market is there. Like it's the most obvious market that exists. Like I I feel so comfortable in it. Like this is like so right now. 
I don't want to call it a gold mine because I'm not in it for the money. I charge way less than lawyers do, but like it is just like, yo, somebody has to do something about this market. So right now I'm at a point where it's like, I need to create delegation processes. I need to stop working because I have like 50 songs I'm working on right now. And like, I can't manage, like I have all these, I spent five hours answering DMs and on the phone the other day, five Mm -hmm. hours of my day. I, that doesn't even leave that much room to actually do the work. So right now I'm trying to step, instead of working in the business, I'm trying to get above the business. So I'm trying, this is a transitionary step for me where it's like, I'm trying to put people in place to handle, to, to delegate these things too. So right now I'm really trying to step above it and like find the right people to join the team that I trust, that are going to be efficient, that are under like, and, and willing to show their value and learn and, and want to take like, I'm in the process of looking for an intern right now, right? Yeah. I already have an intern, but she doesn't have that much bandwidth. Um, so like, I can't really rely on her that much. Um, so I, like, I need to find somebody, find people to put in place. And that's been like the newest role that I'm taking on. That's been like kind of a, uh, challenge. It's yeah. new. It's uh-huh. difficult. Yeah. So, like, the the question was pretty much like, how do you plan on growing it? And from my understanding, is you're gonna delegate certain roles within the company to other people. Yeah. In order to make sure like that's their focus, and you can focus on other things that you feel are more important for you as like the CEO. Yes, and be able to have enough space to like have a vision. Because one thing I'm working on a lot recently is to really get deep into focus. To really think full creatively and and have full product productivity and to create come up with new ideas, mm-hmm. you really need to have that space to yourself to dig in and like don't have anything else on your schedule for however long. Gotcha. So it's like most people's consciousness is just kind of like simmering at the top of the the ocean. Like it's not really, it's not, it's kind of at, at the, at the surface. Right. So there's only like small fish down there. So it's like, you really got to dig deep and like have this one fluid train of thought to allow yourself to come up with new creative ideas. How do you get yourself in that state? I'm working on that right now. But what I've been doing a lot the last week, new thing, completely new thing, but it has done wonders for me the last week is going outside and just straight up taking out my voice notes and talking to myself. The other day I did that for three hours straight. Mm-hmm. And it's insane how much you can realize when, if you leave your thoughts in your head, there, you have a bunch of things just all intertwining. And like when, especially when you're trying to manage a business, it's all just kind of like just that. floating around, beating into each other. You never even finish like a sentence in your head, kind of. You sometimes. When you're working, do you feel like you bounce around on like topic to topic or like. Yeah, yeah. Like it's hard to, especially when I have 40 matters at once and then the emails are just coming yeah. in. I'm trying to respond. Yeah. So like by talking to yourself, you're forcing yourself to have, and, and if you force yourself to have, finish your sentence, finish your thought. I just said this sentence. Now next sentence. Now next sentence. Do you feel your brain going somewhere else? I feel like you we're stay very on topic with that. Like don't don't let it. Like talk. Hey hey. Don't focus on that right now. Right now we're talking about this. We as in me and me and myself. Mm-hmm. So if you force yourself to do that, you give yourself an opportunity to actually really think through things and don't like. So I think it's so new to me that like it, I maybe I'm not the person to talk about this, but like talking to yourself, go, I think is so powerful. Is I mean, honestly, this this whole thing is about trying to figure things out as we go and providing the value that we learn to others and to the people on camera. So honestly, this conversation is a real ass conversation. The yeah. fact that you're able to go, yeah, I don't really know the answer to this yet, but I'm trying. Yeah, you know, that's 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 what matters. But I wanted to For backtrack sure. just a tad bit. For sure. Because I I, well, I want to delve into the productivity side of things, but specifically because you're now on this new journey of delegation. Yeah. And like I've been like kind of dabbling in it now because i want to find people to like you know man man cameras for me hi friend and like edit for me for for at least for modern day artists so like what what things have you like in terms of delegation like that that what what did you have to deal with what have you learned like what can you educate me and let the people about but in terms of delegation just in terms of delegation in general yeah in general yeah because i'm asking for myself as well one of the best ways or one tip that i've been trying to do lately is like I'm, I've been super heavy on a to-do list. I used uh, Craft, which essentially has like a calendar feature. Every day has like a different one. So I list out every single thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. Every single thing I have to do in that day. And it's just a long ass list for, of like 60 things. It's aspirational. I'm not going to get to all of them. I make a list of the priority mm-hmm. list and everything like that. If something new happens and I do that, I add it to the list even after I get it done. So by listing out every single thing that you do, every part of the process that has to be done, 
and then you have that saved, you can go back and look at that list and be like, what are the things that I can, somebody else would be competent at? Maybe even you could put a name next to each of them. Oh, this would be a good person for that. This would be something that maybe you could organize them. This is like, this would be a cameraman job. So like in terms of um, you, I'm not necessarily how that would play out, but like if it's like a company that like, you know, if it's something simple, maybe that doesn't really help. But when it's like a company and you're trying to scale a company and like there's a million things that go into it, I think making a list of everything that you do, literally everything like and trying to figure out way. What what's like that? a list Sorry. of all the hats that you have to wear within the company and yeah, but out and specific things, like, tasks like a specific tasks, yeah, the, okay, and like being able to be like, yeah, I don't know, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs think they have to be the one that does everything, and they don't think other people can uh, handle it. They think I'm mm-hmm. I'm the best person at this thing. You're gonna have to like put a little bit of trust in them, someone. And yeah, that's something I feel like, trust I feel like a lot yeah. of people do with like yeah the difficulty of offloading because this is like at least with me like and you of course it's like this is like my baby this company that yes. i'm starting like i want this shit to be top notch yes um so that to like offload the work is, is almost like you know like trusting them For so sure. how did you go about finding your interns and like yeah you know, you know before i get into that actually like the other question is dude like a lot of people are like yeah sometimes you're gonna have to fire some people and just be like keep it real because like yeah some people just can't do it and like yeah you're gonna have to be like that's something that you as like the owner have to deal with yeah so like that's gonna be that is going to be a struggle for me um that's gonna be something that i'm really gonna have to challenge myself to do but yeah in terms of like and i i say that because i really like to make people feel good and i think that one of the thing one of the titles i want to have in my life like something i really want in my life i want somebody to say you're the best boss ever I feel like to be a good boss and to have somebody say that, it means a lot. Nobody likes their boss. Hardly any people like their boss. It's, it's very uncommon. And to be a good boss means that you gave somebody the space to be themselves, to try things creatively, to um, you trusted them, you supported them emotionally when they needed it, you were understanding, you put them in a position to win. Like, that when somebody says you're the best boss ever, that's probably going to be one of the best compliments I got. Mm-hmm. And I really want to embody that. And, and so when I, when I'm working with my team, um, I want, I, I reinforce my gratitude for them all the time. And I really tell them like, yo, like I want them to feel emotionally and professionally invested in what I'm building because there is going to be short-term and medium-term and long-term benefits from attaching yourself to this vision. So I think a lot of people in a company, they want to get the cheapest labor uh, possible. Um, They want to, you know, retain as much profits as possible. I don't want to do that. I want to create systems where people feel like by putting in good work and by uh, executing on a high level and by having an incentive to do well because you'll get paid more if you do well, Mm -hmm. like, or you'll get treated well, or you'll get to go on a vacation or he'll take you on a trip, all those type of things. Like I want to give those things to my team. And that's something that like, I really want to embody and put out there and like let the world know that this is not just like, like there's external values of a company. That's what the world sees. This is what you're saying. Your mission is like, that's what, um, people say we'll look at, uh, Beat stars. They they love the producer community. They care about the producer community. They want to do what's good about them. But then there's your internal values. How you like how you treat your team and how you organize your culture and how you. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. get into the, the creating sure. a culture yeah. within the the company that has everybody on board with the vision. Yeah, that's a very difficult thing to do. I could imagine because you just said like some people don't hate, they hate their bosses or yeah. um, the boss sometimes is like oh like I need this shit done. I don't want to spend too much money. Anybody that can get it done for cheap, I'm a. But like that that's a reflection on like your, you know your company and your business. Yeah. So like yeah. you're not you're not trying to cheat out on that. Yeah. But back back to the the how did you find how did you go about finding that first intern? Yeah. So um, everybody on my team right now organically crossed my path. Mm-hmm. everyone there's four people i consider on my team there's a bunch of partners um that i would consider to be you know just helping me out they're not really under they're not in my producer royalty group chat they don't come to the company meeting um so yeah i just organically crossed their path so my intern sophie um sophie had in her bio she wanted to be a producer manager and i was going to an event and my friend told me like oh she wants to be a producer manager and she really wants to be uh, in this space and it's very rare that you find somebody that wants to be a producer manager she's young she's 20 she goes to temple and like just the fact that like she's it like already in that 
um, just showed me like, hey, you know, like, I, I want to find people who are, yeah, I, I think that she knew me and she knew how, like, she, I think she trusted the vision and like, like what I was doing and understood that it was unique. So like, I want to hire people or bring people on who actually have a genuine trust and, and interest in what I'm doing and believe in the faith in it, uh, believe in the vision of it. And that's kind of everybody else on my team too. So my guy who helps me with operations, um, or I met him at an event and he just showed so much passion. He was like, yo, if you ever want to talk through any ideas, like feel free to hit me up. I did that. We had amazing conversations. He challenged me to think about things in a different way. Uh, my other guy, Jerome is my, my partner who helps me with placements, um, with like the actual email stuff yeah. and, and helping all the like actual management type stuff. Um, I met him through the law firm and he was the most, like when I was working with Adam, he was the most dedicated, um, hard work, hardworking, understood the business and more than anybody so we kept a good relationship and this other guy panic damani who's my operations guy recommended him so i was like oh i, I trust his word so word. it's just all organic stuff and maybe that's not a great way to do it but that's how i've done it so far got you and how do you like stay on top of everything and like you said you mentioned you have meetings how often do those meetings happen yeah what it's a new thing about? so we've only done one so far but i'm planning to have them every what do you learn from like that first one uh what i learned from the first one so having a uh for Biggest thing for me is how much I like being a leader, how much I like the idea of, I love the idea of having, okay, this is our company's internal and external values, and the leader has to be a true embodiment of that. And I love the idea of that. I love being able to be like, I believe these things, and I need to do it not just for myself, but for my team and for the company. So I learned that from the first meeting and I really, really, really am excited to do that and scale a company and to be able to do that and to be public about things too. Like to have this conversation on camera and then to be able to put this to the public so they could see that as well. And then that attracts other people to also want to join the company because I'm talking about it. Like that goes a long way and it prepares people to like it encourages people to want to be a part of your company when they, before they have it right now, I'm going to put out a job listing for interns, right? So by putting out all this content that talks about my internal and external values and my personal values and like all that, like it really helps prep people for coming to the company. If I say like, yo, I really need X, Y, and Z and you're not X, Y, and Z, you're not going to really want to apply. I'm getting a little off topic now because you asked me, what did I learn from the meeting? So you're back good. to that. Um, <laughs> I'm the same way, bro. Yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what did I learned from the meeting? So um, or having a certain type of organization is, is really good. I use this, when I worked at Rec Philly, we use this organization, organ, meeting organizational strategy called Level 10. L10. Level 10? Yes. It's called okay. Level 10. Explain, the goal explain of, L10. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think it's amazing way to organize a meeting um and my team agreed they said this was the best meeting they've ever had i don't know if they were just trying to make me feel good but i i think it did go pretty well too so um level 10 is organized like this um first five minutes you're just uh first of all you got to be there on time like for sure that's, that's a high standard for it um first five minutes you're just catching up you're talking about uh just how you know any good news any positive things that happen in your personal life it could be in professional life as well too um you're doing that next part um we're going over metrics that you hit for the week um so whether that's you, you got to keep data so like whether that's we got eight new clients uh this amount of engagement um whatever key metrics that you have to do you do that for a couple minutes as well too then there's these things called rocks and rocks are each person has a rock or two rocks per quarter or per month. In those rocks, this is like their main focus of the month. This is what they're doing. So, for instance, Sophie's rock is I want to have merch created for the company. Her rock is to actually execute by the end of the quarter, we're going to have merch. That takes a little bit of time. So week over week, you know, so like you're not going to really do that. Like check progress for each yeah rock. and you say you're on track or off track for the rock if it's off track then what can we do what can yes we do about it? and and then the, after you go through the rocks people say off track or off track there's this part called the issues list um i changed it to uh i forgot what i called it but i changed it to something else and the issues list is just like as people go throughout the week um they take a note of like oh this is a conversation that i want to have during the meeting and they put that in the it, as issues. something to talk about on the issue yeah uh -huh. then you talk about those things and then like at the at that part the issues list and then when um if at the end of the issues list there's a to-do then you go then you add that to the to-do list which is the last part and then everybody talks about in the last part what like what they talk through what the last to do was for the last week. So everybody had a to do list from last week, and then you got to talk through whether it's easier to to know I'm what I'm talking about. If, I, I am following. I yeah. think this this is super like valuable because I feel like 
I mean, as someone who is trying to start their own thing and eventually wants to reach to the point where you have other people wearing different hats for you, like, yeah. Me, me to me, I don't know if you guys are getting value. I mean, I probably are, but like, this is super valuable for me. Like, yeah. I have like this L10. List. Yeah, just go on chat. Because I forgot how level 10 meetings were structured. I just went on chat GPT. Give me an outline of what L10 meetings are, and it gave me a perfect outline. So, yeah, so literally, if you how look often it up, do you use AI in your business? I use chat GPT every single day, all the fucking time, all the time. I use chat GPT every single day. I, I use think we should talk emails. about fucking AI for a second because that sure. shit is really like, yeah, like, I have perspectives on it. For a sure. lot of people like hear about ai all the time but don't necessarily take the time to understand what it can do for you how are you using ai for your business yeah so i use ai okay how do i use ai for my i use it for anything anything i have a question about i'll probably just ask it what to do when i was struggling with my camera which is a part of my business being able to understand my camera i asked ai give me some like hey it's blurry what are some things i can do to test run it um it's just like integrating it into your workflow in your everyday life like i have an issue i need an answer Ask AI how to do it. So I use AI for editing text all the time. Like for me, if I'm, I use it for content, I use it for copywriting. Um, well, to edit my copywriting. I definitely provide a rough draft and say, yeah. chat GBT, edit Obviously for you feed it all the accurate information first. Yes, yes, yes. I don't rely on it for information. Yeah, like That's something yeah. people need to understand. For some sure. people just ask it for stuff and then they don't. You know they don't they don't do their due diligence in giving it proper information. For sure, yeah, I definitely like won't put caveat, things out. Caveat. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing. All right, if anybody who's watching this and you look at producer royalty content, there's nothing that I've got from. I, it's just the copy might be edited from AI. Yeah, like it's well, not let, like the information is from it. <laughs> let's yeah, make for that sure. They're making that very very clear. So most of it I use it for editing my writing. Um, for the most part. And it's able to just kind of like, and I, I will edit it after that too, but sometimes writing an email just takes so long. Just put your ideas out there. Don't overthink it. Tell ChatGPT, edit for grammar, whatever you want to edit for, and then it'll fix it for you and it'll rewrite it and it'll be quick. So it yeah, increases and then, my efficiency and then you just edit, you, yeah. yeah, basically, I use it to spitball ideas. Like, let's say, Ide yes, for titles, like, yeah. Yeah, no, for yeah, example, like, uh, I want to make this one YouTube video where I basically talk about how you can make money. With your camera yeah um and what i did was like so i asked it for like the basic outline you know intro topics i told the topics that i wanted to cover and then i told it basically just give me fluidity yeah and it like wrote it out for me with a script now yeah. i just edited the script to sound like me yep i just crossed like checked the information make sure it was accurate using my own knowledge and then it just sped up my entire workflow for creating a script for a youtube video and that helped me so much. And like For integrating sure. it into your workflow is, is exactly it. Yes. So now, not That's, just AI, but productivity in general. Yeah, I want to say on I want to say on AI for a second. Go for it. Yeah. So a lot of people are a lot of people ask me all the time are as somebody on the legal field, don't you feel like AI could take your jobs? Uh, for me, I am very mm. much it's a yeah. Good question. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good ask question. It's an interesting question. Um, for me, I'm not at all scared of that because especially for my market, I've studied the producer community very, very much. I know what they need. I understand their problems as much as I, I understand their problems probably more than anybody else. And I know there's a lot of problems that can't be solved necessarily. Do you want to take pause? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. That shit just broke. Look, look, the plastic. No, like it, like it broke. Like it, 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 they broke. Uh, what's it called? Don't even stop rolling. Like, this should be happening, bro. Like, keep rolling. I'm gonna do this, like, what's her name again? That Dude. Bobby girl? Yeah. That's it. What's her name? Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Yo, shout out Bobby, for real. I'm gonna be holding this in my hand like she does now. Bro, this shit is crazy. Bro, look at this. Shit literally just broke. Alright. Okay, bet. So, AI will oh, yeah. not take your job because you understand the interpersonal relationship and aspect of your business and this is your expertise yeah for sure and i think that people who are scared of of technology taking their jobs are just also very much focused on their own personal life and or their own professional goals rather than the market itself if you study the problems you're able to find where you can make yourself useful you're able to predict what can be fixed and what cannot be fixed and i think that ai is just gonna it's not gonna the people who are ahead of the curve with AI are going to exponentially outperform those who are slightly below it or who aren't integrating it yet. So if you're ahead of the curve, you're studying the market, you're understanding what the use cases are, you're asking people questions who use it, and you're able to find the use cases, at least in the short term, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to blow everybody away in productivity when I'm, when I'm integrating it. So like, I, as long as you're focused on that, 
Um, I think for me, it's only going to help me. It's only going to help me because I'm going to stay ahead of it and I'm going to integrate it and I'm not worried about it at all. So, yeah, I'm concerned about doing what's best for the community. And if you focus on that, you'll find ways to make yourself useful because you'll see what your skill set is. And then no matter what, you'll find ways. To, if, if people's only use case is they're able to edit contracts for people, then, yeah, maybe you should be scared. But if you're able to make yourself youthful by doing other things like the interpersonal stuff, then, yeah, maybe you, I, I don't have any type of concern yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Okay, and now, productivity. And obviously AI is a part of that. But when – oh, wow, I literally just lost my train of thought real fast. That's okay, man. I'd be having them, bro. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to be the host than it is to be a guest. Yeah, guys, I'm literally just listening to yeah. you speak. Cause, like you're spitting like like real stuff that I mean, at least I care about in terms of like running running like a creative business. Oh yeah, that's what it is. So, as someone who is involved in the entertainment industry, obviously you got your law with the academic shit. How can somebody increase their skill so that they can provide value? Like if someone wants to start a business, for example, like specifically a creative business, because that's what the show's about. Answer that. But, water. Word. He's getting his water. One second, team. 4K, 4K, right on him. He's getting his water. Here on the Modern Day Artist Podcast, shit happens. Like that, pretty much. What just happened? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. It, it's like perfectly underneath. Uh, okay. Word. All right, we're good. All right, so what advice can you give to a creative entrepreneur trying to make this either, I mean, it could be a side hustle. It could be their full-time gig, but like, what advice can you give, bro? Creative entrepreneurship. What do you know? You can only get good at one thing. No, let me uh, rephrase that. In terms of skill development, you can only be exceptional at one thing at a time. The easiest way to get good at one thing is to drop everything else. And that's easier said than done. But if you can think about the, I talk about the niches all the time. You have to niche down as much as possible and study what it takes to be good at that specific niche. For your case. Well, let's start with my case. For my case, I want to be a top music attorney, entertainment attorney, right? I understood that to get in the door, you need to excel at one specific thing so people can know you for that one thing. People want to be a generalist all the time, right? Yeah, people want to be, oh, I wa like people told me when I was coming up to be a good entertainment lawyer, like you got to study everything. You got to know about film. You got to know about this. And you can't just do music. You have to like understand. And, and I wanted to do just hip hop. I wanted to just do artists and producers. That's what I wanted to do. People told me not to do that. But the best way to get in the door is to become really good and really understand one specific thing. And once you do that, then you can step out and then you can start leveraging other things. Kanye West is the best example of that that everybody knows you got in with producing and then once you got in with producing then you got yeah, into artistry and then you had to expand so i think people try to overcommit themselves to like a whole bunch of different crafts instead of just fully going all in on one thing you know what i mean that's very that's very good advice honestly. yeah yeah because the way that i see it is you pretty much you find your target audience or your target client or your you know your client avatar whatever it may be and, and you're, like you said, you niche down. You figure yeah. out exactly what that is. And then you create a service that is valuable to that person. Yes. Now, once you do that, once you have a service that is valuable to somebody, you need clients. There, now, the way that you get clients is a different conversation entirely. But what you can do and what you're doing right now is you're creating content that basically shows people what you are doing, how you are doing it, what you value. This, in turn, creates like trust. Trust and especially if you're doing well on social media and stuff like that, it gives you authority to speak about it. Yeah. It also gives you leverage. You can leverage this trust in this audience into other ways of getting income. For example, it could be coaching. I guess if you're a lawyer, you could just use your audience to leverage getting more clients. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Most definitely, so, bro. Yeah, I think you're completely aligned. Like, it, I would love to talk about the client conversation too. Let's, like, let's, how to let's get more do it. clients? Yeah, because yeah. that's what that's something I'm working on right now. For honestly. sure. And and okay, so. I talked about this in the small little clip that we did for Modern... Yeah. 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 Yes. I remember. <laughs> yes. And I think the most slept on way to grow your client base is to do free work. And I talk about free work all the time, but people don't do it enough. You don't understand how much free work I put in with producer royalty. Still to this day, when I have so many clients, I'm still doing infinite free work. Why? Because nothing scales faster than goodwill. Nothing scales in value faster than goodwill. Say that shit That's again. it. So Say like the more again. you give out to the community, the more you get people to endorse you and understand you, it not only gives you an opportunity to show your value, 
but it also builds goodwill and it allows people to start putting their own recommendation, their own reputation on the line for your recommendation because mm. people don't realize that to give a referral to somebody if you're like yo check this person out you're putting your own reputation yeah, on the line you don't want to refer somebody that's not doing good that's work right. that might take advantage that you're uncertain of like exactly. just in general yeah. so if like i do everything and i do it well and i do it for free your referral network will infinitely scale it will scale one person will tell three people and those three people will tell i've been doing this for four months and why do i have already like 60 clients 60 producers that i'm working with it's just because and i i'm not making a lot of money because my business model i'm not charging them anything until they actually make money so if you could adjust your business model like in the legal space they, they haven't adopted their business model to make sense for creatives. They want to get paid X, Y, and Z and do all this type of stuff. And like they want to get retainers and all that stuff. That doesn't fit a lot of people's needs, especially with producers. So I decided instead of like asking for money up front, I'm only going to take money after you get paid. After you get your money, mm -hmm. then you can pay me. So like adjust your business model to make sense. Really think about like where is my client base? Like where are they? Um, and, and what can they reasonably afford? What can they reasonably uh, ex what can they mm -hmm. reasonably expect? All that type of stuff. So do free work. Um, find ways to make yourself useful. Um, be a good person, obviously, and yeah, get, show the world your value publicly too. Like you have yeah, to be online. Sure. You have to be on social media. You have to give out free information. You have to help people, and that's the easiest way to get clients. Totally. Yeah. Can I spit a little bit of game in terms of something that isn't word of mouth? For sure. Just because I live by this, I do this shit, and you could, I mean, you, you, just listen, listen, ready? So, I think it was Alex Armosi, you know, you know Alex Armosi? This Bro, is multi-millionaire. He's, he's my biggest inspiration. That, that dude, on, on that dude. He's actually uh, my biggest yeah. inspiration. He said, you already have an email list, you already have a list of potential clients, and that's on your phone, it's on your email list, it's on your Snapchat, it's on your personal network. You already have a bunch of people that know who you are, that you can start right there. And he said this, he was like... It depends on how you frame the conversation. You could you could go into it trying to get money, or you can go into it from the approach of, oh, like I know you, you're my friend. I have this business. If you happen to know anybody that might need it, just let them know. Drop a word. And when you do this, it frames it in a way of like, no, I, I'm not trying to get money out of you. I just you're my boy, and if you could put me on, you could put me on. Sometimes yeah. they will have somebody. Sometimes they won't, and sometimes they themselves will be, yo, I could use it. And yeah. by doing so, and you do like you do this multiple times a day, you reach out to different people, and don't be afraid. I think a lot of people are afraid to put themselves out there. Most definitely. Yeah. Life's too damn short. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just gotta like go for it. You know? Yeah. He says like, don't ask like, um, do you need this? Be like, do you know anybody who needs exactly. this? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that that little wording difference makes it a lot less salesy, and it's just more like, hey, yeah, like you're I'm my just, friend. I'm, like, I will just open this business up. Like, can you support me in that? For sure. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. This there's so much game I picked up from Alex. Type, like, for sure. Yeah, I mean, no. even that free work conversation. is But like honestly, something. like his podcast and like other people like him is the reason that I started this. It is mm. so that I can speak to other creators who are honestly just trying it. Yeah. Are going for it, you know? Yeah. So like, definitely. it's valuable, you know? Yeah. For and this sure, is why bro. I love That's... this conversation with you, cause you're, I, bro, you're just like me. Like, I don't know how, to, like, you're I driven. Know. You're like brains all over the place, but you know what the vision is. Yeah. Like, and I, I relate to you so much, bro. I know, know? bro, and it, it's just amazing because people don't realize that other people like to be a mentor for people, like, and people instead of asking, okay, so. There's a lot. Of, we all understand that there's people a couple steps ahead of us. And my biggest strategy has been: don't go for the the top lawyer at the top. Don't go for the top person. Go for the person that's one step ahead of you, and try to just reach out to them. Reach out to a couple of them. And instead of being like, "Hey, would love to set up a call um, with you and pick your brain," find look or reaching out and being like, "Hey, can I intern for you? Do you have any work that you could put me onto?" That's asking them to do the work. Do the work for them by looking into what they do, as much research as you can do, develop that skill, see if you have a certain skill that you can f make yourself valuable to them. Where it's like, hey, you're doing this, I think you could be doing this better, here's an example of what I've done before, and try this out. That way you're making it as easy for them as you possibly can. So like, I, my biggest cheat code has just been, like I said, just reaching out and making connections with people one step ahead of me instead of like the, going to the biggest people and be like, oh, he doesn't want to talk to me, then giving up. I, when I first started, I reached out, I went on LinkedIn, and I DM'd uh, probably like 200 entertainment lawyers, like, or, like literally. And 10 of them maybe got back to me, or 20 of them. I set up calls with like 10 of them. 
type of stuff you have to do. And by that 10, one of the people gave me my first shot at the entertainment industry in the music industry, Jared Shabab, who I'm interning, or I'm his paralegal now. I started as an intern, now I'm his paralegal now. Like, that's how that goes. Like, you, you don't know, it, you need those people in your life, and it takes putting yourself out there, like you kept saying. What is a key characteristic of someone who is going to be successful? The most successful people don't have the best technical ability. They're the people who are able to be a leader and understand human engineering and have a vision that allows other people to see their vision inside of it. So I think the most successful people, yes, you can be successful by being the best at a technical skill, but the most successful people are those who are a little bit of a generalist and have a great understanding of human psychology and how and what people need and are able to get people to join together and have faith in them and are able to have a vision that, like I said, makes them, they feel attached to. So the, I think that the biggest key is that person, when you walk into the room and you talk to them, you just feel this like energy spirit, this person is going to be doing something. And I've had people tell me this a lot and maybe it's getting to my head a little bit in a way that's like arrogant but like I've had a lot of people say like I know in the last like week I've had at least 20 people that like yo you are gonna do some really fucking big shit because it's just like an energy that you have and a confidence and like it's not like I'm asking for something it's just like hey what's up like what are you doing oh cool and they have this vision of like just trying to get excited about what people have to say and are not closed-minded and I think this is me this is me this is rare I don't know if I recommend this to people but I think that when I meet somebody I trust them sometimes people and and you have to do something to lose my trust a lot of people are the opposite. They meet somebody, they don't trust them. Then you need to, and then you need to, yeah, yeah they, they have to do something to earn their trust. I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm like that too. Like, I, I just assume like the good in people and I assume that, and then it, once they prove it otherwise, then it's like, all right. Yeah, then, that, then you cut it off. Exactly. But that's just how I, that's just how I. Yeah. Think. And I think those types of people who are able to have that trust for people and look for the good in people are the ones who get the most opportunities presented to them. I feel like those people are more optimistic yeah. and therefore look for like the good opportunity rather yeah. than like the liability potential. For sure. And for because sure. of that it's like you're you're and the visionary. You're the one that's not afraid to take the risk. Yeah. And and like you expose yourself to people taking advantage of you at times when you do that. If you're too trusting. And I, I my friends tell me all the time, why are you in this like why are you giving this person this much good like why are you doing all this free work? They what if they don't ever pay you? Your business model in general is just too trusting. I'm like, okay, then I'll, I'll learn, adapt, and pivot. But right now, it's working for me. Everything is going in the right direction. And there are so many present opportunities that are presented to me off of just me just... Bro, this is like really insane to talk about. But um, I'm now... COO, CEO of this company, like kind of just leading the company called Backend Music Group. It's a management company. Um, we have like 25 major label producers all signed to us, full management deals, 25. My boy, Elijah, I started interning for him a couple months ago. I didn't ask for a single dollar. I was working with him, just showed my value. Still to this day, I barely got any money from it. And a couple weeks ago, like two weeks ago, he said, yo, I want to just give you this whole entire roster. That would have never happened if I didn't have too much trust in him. I have way too much trust in him. I was doing all this work with no, like, and now we're going to be 50-50 partners on it. Like, it's, it, it's just, that's how that goes. That's how that goes. So it's just like, you got to put yourself in these positions where uh, you, you're a little vulnerable, but that's, that's where the risk comes in. You got to be able to take those risks. You know what I mean? Absolutely, bro. Yeah. This has been a really, really good, inspiring, at least for me, and conversation, you know, I really appreciate this. So one of the yeah. things that, and we're not going to close off just yet, but we're going to head towards the end of the episode. But one thing that I think would be super interesting and I want to start doing is I want you to come up with a question that you're going to ask the next guest on this podcast. Like the Diary CEO? I love type that show. shit, yeah. yeah. I love that I love that show. It's a good show. I fucking love that show. Shout out for real. Yeah, not to blow your spot where it came from. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I, my yeah. boy actually told me about it, um, but I love Diary as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Ooh, it has to be right now. I have to say it or right do you, now. Or do you want to like sit on it for a uh, little bit? I want to come up with a really good one. 
Okay, let me think about this for a second. I have a list of questions on my phone that, like, I just, like, I have thousands of questions. My biggest cheat code in life is just this list of, like, thousands of questions I have on my phone. Especially with podcasting, I would recommend it. If you're on a podcast, you hear a good question, write it down. Because it, it, it goes a long freaking way. So, uh, I don't know if you Oh, and that. by the way, where can the, the people find your social media? You know what I mean? Um, my can they Instagram reach out to is mostly what I'm on is Daniel.cruise.music I didn't even get to Oh yeah, now I'm Cruise now for the most part But people now people know me from Instagram and it's, So I'm going back to Daniel Because my first name on there is Daniel I literally that, say your full name I'm like yeah. Daniel Cruise That's what Daniel I try is. to do too I mostly. like it I think it's like It sounds tough You know what I mean? Yeah I, I, yeah. I want a name like that mm-hmm. Michael Robert mm-hmm. Callejas Yo, mm-hmm. I just exposed my middle name to y'all That's right My what middle is name is Robert Robert? Yeah. Shout out Robert, though, for real. <laughs> hmm. This is this is a tough one. I want it to be a good one. I don't I, have a question. I don't, I don't know. Nobody's, the, this yeah. is the first time you've done this? Yeah, no, this is the first time I've done that. The next guest is like... It, so the next guest is potentially... It's like one of three people. It's, it's somebody who... I don't want to like expose it in case it doesn't happen, but like this person blew up recently and they dance a lot. Um, they're, they're known for dancing. They're known for dancing. Yeah, Jersey Club specifically. Um, it's it could be him uh-huh. or it could be this person who's like she's a radio host of like one of the local radios for Montclair State University. Does some influencer stuff. Gets paid for just you know you're you're at your influencer who gets paid to do stuff and like represent branding and. A photographer. Yeah. Digital creator, digital uh-huh. artist. So I, I appreciate you having me on even though I'm on the business side for sure. No, but it's it all it all like intertwines. You it are creative. You're creating yeah. content. Or, yeah. Okay. Well everybody is an artist. Everybody's a creative. We're human and humans are you know, we're expressive creatures. So Alright, this is a unique question. I don't Hit love me. it. It's not my best, but I, What's for the, the sake question? of time. How do you change the story that you tell about yourself? Let me let me hear that again. Let me hear that again. How do you change the story that you tell about yourself? Tell yourself about? Is that how you say it? Is it it? like your internal dialogue in your head? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. So I guess it would be like, how how does somebody change the story that they tell themselves? Yeah, pretty much about themselves. (laughs) That's a good ass question though. Like, yeah, it's a decent one. I can't wait to get into it. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that has been. Probably my favorite episode of the Modern Day Artist. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, type. I think I'm going to be the best boss one day. I think you're going to be the greatest boss. I think a lot of people are going to tell you that you're the best boss I've ever had. I really hope so. I, I, bro, I mean, set your mind goal. to it. You know how it is. But yeah, for sure. this has been Modern Day Artist. If you enjoyed anything that you've seen here today, please follow over. Follow us over on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Day Artist. You can go to moderndayartist.com to see the list of people who are going to be on the show. And yeah, man, stay tuned for future episodes. And Daniel Cruz. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you, bro. You're onto some major things, too. I'm going to be the person that tells you, like, I really have a ton of faith that whatever you decide to do, you're going to execute on a super high level. I appreciate you, bro. For sure. For sure, bro. I appreciate you. Stay frosty. What's that? <laughs>